Get psyched with friends, ladies, and amateur crushers, Morgan and Cynthia. Join us as we share personal stories from our climbing lives, our proudest achievements, our epic failures, and most of all, our borderline obsessive love of the sport. Welcome, Welcome to, to Crag Confessions. Confessions. Episode 11, Confessions of a Route Setter. We, Cynthia and Morgan, and probably almost all climbers these days, got started with climbing in an indoor climbing gym. And when we were baby climbers, we saw colorful holds arranged on beautiful vertical walls placed there by some godlike being who we did not know and could not question. And although at any given gym, the route setter may be faceless or nameless, it's the route setter's product, the route or the problem, that is the one thing that we all consume as indoor rock climbers. And in that sense, we are at the mercy of the route setter. We have fun, we improve, we struggle, or we become frustrated, all thanks to the route setter and all at the route setter's sufferance. So in this episode, we thought we could give the route setter the spotlight and take a look behind the walls, so to speak, of his mind. We want to see what makes the route setter tick, what drives him, what pisses him off, and how we can relate to that as climbers and consumers of his work. We are so grateful and lucky to have with us today on this episode, our good friend and head route setter of Central Rock Gym Manhattan, Ryan Smith. So we've known Ryan for a few years from our days at Central Rock Gym. And even though I once literally lived at the gym, I always seem to miss his climbing and training sessions. But Morgan and I have both had a couple of blessed opportunities to climb outdoors with him and can confirm that he's a total crusher on both boulders and sport routes. And according to his LinkedIn, which we totally did not snoop on for this introduction, Ryan has been setting since 2013 and has set for comps on the local and regional level as well. As an industry insider and our friend, we're both very excited to have him on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I guess to get started, maybe you can tell us a bit about your climbing background. Yeah, for sure. I started climbing in high school. I was really fortunate. I went to a high school that had kind of like a choose your own PE program junior and senior year. And yeah, one of those options for us was outdoor education. Through that, open my eyes to all these other sports that you aren't normally introduced to as a high schooler. And I really connected with climbing and kayaking. And after that year, I was just so invested in it. I became a teaching assistant for that class, partly to be able to to take it again, because you can't just take it two years in a row. That was the only way you could kind of do it again. So I became a teaching assistant for that class and just really stuck with climbing from then on out. After that, I went to Purdue and that's where I got my first route setting job and joined an outdoors club. They were very proactive in taking trips and going to different gyms. And that's really when I started outdoor climbing and and took a lot of trips to the red. So it sounds like you got a really varied experience in your first couple of years then. Yeah, totally. It seems like a lot of route setters get their start in college or in a university gym or something like that. Do you think that was a pivotal part of your journey to being a route setter? 
Yeah, I definitely do. I get a lot of questions of how to get into route setting. And I, I do think one of the easiest ways is kind of that college track because it's such a natural in and out of route setters because people will just eventually graduate and then it fills in with newer, younger folks and then they'll take those spots. And it, it's a nice revolving door in that it, it's just natural rather than kind of what happens sometimes in the climbing industry where people revolve out just because it's kind of a rough industry in some ways. Oh, rough in what way? I mean, in terms of route sitting, there aren't a lot of full-time jobs. So things like health insurance and adequate pay can be hard to come by. So those part-time jobs can eventually force people out if they're just stuck in those positions long enough, if those full-timers are staying where they're at and there's just not additional full-time positions. Oh, I see. So it's kind of like a bottleneck. Yeah, for sure. Wow. How did you get around that? Because you have a now a full-time position at CRG, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, as headsetter there in full-time. Fortunately, all of the folks that set at our gym, Addy and Jim included, are full-time, but they're not full-time setters. So they, they set with me a few days a week and they're full-time with their other gigs at the gym, but not fully setting because we, we just don't really have enough hours for that to make sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was it like at the gym that you were at before CRG versus Scent? When I was there, there was Avondale, which was a full-service gym, ropes and bouldering. Uptown, Block 37, and Humble Park. So there was four gyms. And while I was there, there was four full-time setters. So basically one per gym. And then they were supported by a group of part-time setters. And I was one of the full-time setters that was kind of the supervising setter. That's what they called them for Block and Uptown. It was kind of cool because we did get to like bounce between a bunch of different gyms. So it was always kind of fresh in that way. But there was always kind of that similar thing where there were a lot of part-timers and I knew that could be difficult because they would usually have to supplement with some other work, whether it was at the gym or outside the gym. Did you have to do that too when you first got started in setting? Yeah. So after college, my degree was in education. So I was saying to myself and my family like, oh yeah, I'm just getting my teaching license in Illinois. That's why I haven't gotten a job yet. (laughs) And Classic. Classic. And while I was waiting for the tests, that was air quotes, I was doing them on this end. (laughs) I got a job at a climbing gym, the first ascent. And when I was there, I started off as a youth instructor because I also in college got into some youth coaching. And as I was doing that more and more and saw that path, I was like, I do like this coaching route, but I'm definitely more excited about route setting. And that's when I did the classic way that most route setters get into the gig now is bug the headsetter until they give you a shot. Eventually that shot was that I could be ground crew and wash holds for an event that was coming up. And the grunt work. Exactly. Yeah. So ground crew, I was just cleaning things. When the the setters were up on the ropes, I would go get holds and put them in their buckets or bolts or screws or all that stuff. So yeah, just some basic grunt work. And then eventually they had some sort of employee setting sort of thing where folks that were working at the gym could set with some of the route setters. And eventually myself and two others got brought on as part-time setters for the gym. It does seem kind of like a exclusive club, I guess, like an exclusive skill set that is controlled by existing guild members, so to speak. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And it's one of the challenging things with route setting, especially because it, it's that classic thing is like, oh, you want a route set, you need experience to route set. How do I get experience to route set? You got a route set. 
So <laughs> it's, it's kind of that self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, oh, how do people get into route setting if they can't route set? And it's partly because there's no easy entry into it. You can't just like go and take a class. There are things that USAC has to offer, but it still isn't really meant for someone with no route setting experience. So it's definitely something that is missing in the industry. Yeah. Every now and then I hear about a route setting clinic that's being put on by a local gym or some local climbing organization. And I always wonder to myself, what do they hope to get out of this event? You know, is it just good PR or do they really expect this to produce a future route setter? Because it does seem like, like you said, you need to have more significant route setting experience, which kind of comes from an exceptional position, either being already part of the climbing industry or having exclusive access to some wall somewhere where you can practice that skill before you can become a route setter. Yeah, I, I think you're right in that way. I, I do know some gyms and some programs that actually have had folks come out from those programs because you can get a decent sense of just how people interact with whoever they're setting with and how they're interacting with it. Because we're not necessarily looking for someone to go to one of those things and just like be just exceptional. Like mm. you don't just like go to that and like, wow, you just, you just nailed it. You're a great route setter already. Cause this, <laughs> just not how it works. More so, I think what those folks look for, if they are hoping that people kind of come out of those clinics to become a route setter, they're looking for how they listen to feedback, how they talk to others when describing movement, how they handle the forerunning process, because a lot of times people will go into forerunning and think, I'm just going to climb the climb over and over and over again until it's perfect. But that's not quite what it is. It's, it's feeling out movement, and being able to describe or emote what you were feeling on the wall. And if you have those things, that's a good person to be able to work with. If you have someone that has good communication skills and can tell you how they felt while they were climbing, mm -hmm. it can go a really long way. And as a headsetter, I can then have an idea of how I can help them make their climb better. Because it's tough when someone who's newer is like, ooh, I didn't like that. And it's like, okay, what didn't you like? And they're like, I didn't like how it felt. And it's like, <laughs> what did you not like? What felt wrong? So being able to accurately describe what you were feeling while you were climbing is a really great skill. And uh, honestly, probably one of the best skills a route setter could have. And is that a skill that you think you had naturally? Or was that something that you developed as you got more into setting and more experience? Fortunately for me, I was able to take a lot of baby steps and no, it's still something that I want to continue to improve on. And I think I'm better at like asking people about the climbs rather than even me myself describe how I was feeling. It's a really difficult skill. Yeah, it sounds like it. Even just like giving somebody beta, it's hard to know what they're feeling in their body and how to translate what you're doing to them. So I can only imagine how difficult it would be on the route setter side to make yeah, this happen. Totally. It's it's kind of like what you said. It's people often will try to give the beta, but at the end of the day, it's really hard to know exactly, oh, that's how I felt, but how are you feeling? There's a term that a lot of route setters use these days called athletic empathy, where they try to think about how others might feel on the climb which is another very difficult skill to hone. Yeah. 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 What else do you think about when you're setting in addition to body empathy? Are there other aspects or other things you're thinking about? 
Yeah, totally. It could be anything on the day. Like the general theme that I put on our board today that I wanted us to try to think about is try to make the difficulty come from an aspect one might not expect. So for the example, I was just like, try not to do grab and pull because that's kind of the classic way to create intensity. By that, I meant I wanted to try to create intensity or difficulty or challenge from complexity or from like keeping body tension through toe hooks and not maybe the classic example of, oh, I can like hold this crimp and I can pull on it and then I can get to the other hold. It's just kind of those general themes or ideas could be something that we're thinking about. This is something I've been wondering about, like, you know, you have to set routes that cater to a lot of different climbing abilities, a lot of different climbing styles. And in the gym itself, there's lots of different angles of walls and lots of different kinds of holds, you've got volumes and all of this stuff. So I guess I'm wondering, do you set climbs to try to like teach people things? Like I want people to get better at this kind of move or I want people to get stronger in this particular way. Or is it more just to kind of create an experience, like create a generally good time for most people? Yeah, I I think there are definitely like a lot of different ways to approach it. And I I think the thing that I'm trying to do right now is create kind of a cohesive experience between the gym. And it's, it's something I'm very new to. And it's something that I've I've heard some other route setters talk about, and the more I'm thinking about it, it is, it's pretty challenging. But one of the other things that I've been trying to play around with is build out and create features in the gym. So really manipulate the wall with just kind of volume stacks and in large features just because we've been able to buy a little bit more of that and it's been fun to play around with it in that aspect, just creating way more like 3D structures to play around on. So in this way, it sounds like it's more of a a creative process, more than an educational type thing. Yeah, there are times where I'm like, oh, I'm going to try to teach these V2 climbers to heel hook. But Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say that that's my overarching theme going in. There's always those boulders that like, okay, this is what I'm going for on this particular climb. But I wouldn't say, oh, this wall is going to teach all the toe hooks because if I'm trying to teach toe hooks on an entire wall, then I need toe hook climbs for two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think there's definitely some way that you can go about that. But yeah, yeah. O- overall, I think it just kind of comes down to certain climbs where I'm like, oh yeah, let's get some heel hooks going for these lower level climbers just because it's a good skill to have. Yeah. It sounds like your general setting philosophy is kind of a mix between setting things that are fun or just enjoyable for people that are crowd pleasers, so to speak, and setting things that will advance, I suppose, a climber in their ability or help them get better. Would you say that that's something you balance in your setting philosophy? Yeah, I think so. I I think it's probably a pretty important skill. I, I do think almost any climb can have a lesson in it. But yeah, yeah I, I, I think that's probably pretty accurate to some of the things that I try to do on a daily basis. What, what do you think is the most challenging part of what you do? I, I think it does come kind of down to that athletic empathy aspect of trying to create an experience for a large audience that is not always necessarily even enjoyable, but it is an experience. And Maybe for some it's not so great and some for others, but trying to create that across the whole environment for everybody where maybe one person didn't like this, but somebody else gets this over here and trying to create that whole situation for everyone to be a part of it and find something that they like in that one set or that whole gym where it's like not every V3 
five is going to be great for every single person because not every style of climbing is everybody's favorite. But hopefully there is enough of everything for everybody that they'll find a couple things that they really enjoy. And trying to balance that all the time while things are constantly coming down and going up and not just replacing it with the same thing over and over again, mm-hmm. I think is probably one of the bigger challenges. Yeah, it often crosses my mind that we demand more of route setters than we demand of Mother Nature. <laughs> because I find myself thinking that I'm so grateful that nature made this rock, nature made it the way it did and made it climbable. But what I fail to acknowledge is that not every creation of Mother Nature is a masterpiece. You know, (laughs) most of the climbs at any particular crag are kind of middling and some really (laughs) suck. So, you know, Mother Nature's record as a route setter is not that great all in all. (laughs) Ooh, harsh. But in contrast, you know, I demand route setters to be user friendly and that every route that a route setter makes has to be a certain level of climbable. I feel like any route indoors would probably if it were transposed outdoors it'd be like at least a three star climb. Oh yeah certainly. Most of the time five stars I think if you get those kinds of holds on the outdoor rock. (laughs) Yeah I mean I think you're right and I I think it is fair to kind of expect those things of a route setter you know. It is kind of the job of us to try to make that experience and we have tools we have things and i totally get what you're saying and it can be frustrating sometimes when everyone's like oh but just one more foot like would have been great and it's like <laughs> well yeah maybe it would have i didn't think about it at the time i think there are times when criticism is always good and feedback is even better if you can like give that feedback to your route setter in a way that isn't necessarily just like wow that was awful or that was really reachy or give maybe them some benefit of the doubt that they they did try most route setters are trying to make things fair and equitable for people to climb i would say and oftentimes it it could be something that was just missed or they lost track of what they were doing or they you know they completely missed it maybe they didn't do a bad job but they just don't worry ryan yeah you don't need to fall on that sword we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna hold you to justify every single climb and every hold on every climb. <laughs> what is it like to watch people climb your routes? Because I know that you and lots of other route setters that I've talked to, you just like lurk in the corners <laughs> the day after you set just to see what people do. It's definitely an emotional experience, I'd say. There are times when I'm like, oh my gosh, that was amazing like you can see people have their gears start turning if they like are working through a sequence and they're kind of fiddling and eventually they like find the right body position and they just get through that section they were really struggling with. And that moment is kind of amazing. Those sections of really wild fiddling where they're just like, oh, I'm not sure what you're going for there, but let's just watch, <laughs> let it play out. And then the, the ones that are a little bit more nerve wracking are the ones where people start doing just wild things that sometimes we never perceive of that they're just like seemingly putting themselves in a very vulnerable position. And those are the moments that I get a little nervous and may start walking towards the pad to <laughs> get ready to just go for a spot or just maybe suggest that they not throw their foot above their head <laughs> in whatever fashion they are. But, you know, it it is really cool just seeing people try to figure things out and definitely frustrating when sometimes a sequence isn't going the way that you expected or 
people are finding ways around what you were trying to do. And I try to always make that a learning experience and not get too frustrated by it. Because if you beat yourself up over every single beta difference or sequence change, it's, it's going to be a pretty tough time. Yeah, I can imagine so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely classics of people that are stronger than whatever they're climbing and they're quote unquote breaking the beta. But, you know, they're just sequencing it differently and good on them. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else that ticks you off or that you get agitated either when you're setting or after? During setting certainly can be frustrating when you feel like you're hitting your head against the wall. You're just tweaking and tweaking and tweaking and nothing seems to quite go your way. And then those always seem to be the moments that a bolt cross threads and then the T-nut pops and (laughs) you have to like go and fix that. And then you probably haven't had water all day and you just start getting angry. Those are definitely kind of the classic ones. I think one that I've never enjoyed is someone will walk up to me or a setter and be like, hey, I, I broke that climb. And you could tell that they're with you and they're like, maybe trying to rub it in your face or <laughs> oh. like show off or do something <laughs> about it. It's like, all right, often we already saw it from across the gym because we were probably watching and we were already frustrated by it. So it's like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> okay, noted. <laughs> Don't sass your route setter. I mean, it's just like, what are you trying to accomplish? If you're trying to have a conversation of, hey, I did this on this side. Did you intend that? What were you trying to do? You can definitely have a conversation about those things. But there are times where people come in hot. They're like, oh, I totally skipped a bunch of holds on that climb. It's like, maybe those holds weren't intended for you. Maybe they were intermediates for someone who can't full span compression the crap out of these (laughs) slopers. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that goes to one of these misconceptions about route setting. You're right. I don't think a lot of people recognize the thought that goes into creating a route. What do you think is the biggest misconception out there or the thing that you would wish to communicate to people that is undercommunicated? I think one of the maybe easier things to say is route setters don't dislike you. They're not trying to make you like fall. They're not like putting up a climb and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to get this person with this climb. (laughs) I think most route setters are really trying to create an overall positive experience. And and by positive, I don't mean that necessarily every single climb is going to be right up your alley and fun. Because I think there is some benefit for setting climbs that are frustrating or really tricky that really challenge you mentally, which in certain moments can create negative experience but hopefully in the end it's a more net positive and i think most route setters are trying to achieve that so uh, yeah i think that'd probably be the biggest misconception that it's like route setters versus climbers Hmm. yeah that's not the case i guess people are just used to thinking about conquering the route or i crushed that boulder or whatever and then they kind of want to assert dominance over the holds and by extension the person who put up the holds yeah, totally. yeah, just like you said, I think people come from a general sports background and they're used to beating somebody. So it's like, who did I beat? It's like, oh, I beat this route, which means I beat the route setter and I win. Right. There needs to be an enemy. Yeah, which is fine. Like, I don't mind when... You're okay people... being a punching bag. Yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> mind people like, they'll be like, oh, you're Ryan. Man, I curse your name when I fall off these routes. And it's like, well, that's okay. Do you ever find that that to be a point of pride? I think if I were a route setter, I might actually be out to get the climber. (laughs) (laughs) Really, Cynthia? You're like a teddy bear. Oh. (laughs) 
I could see it though. She's just like, oh man, freaking giving the dual tech side up and <laughs> oh my stand gosh. on the slippery part. <laughs> I think it's, it really depends on the scenario. I think there are times where, especially in like a competition where as a route setter you're watching, you're hoping for maybe separation on a climb and you're like, I want them to do well, but I kind of hope that they fall here. So I get that separation on my route. Mm-hmm. And then there are times where maybe you set a bottleneck on a rope route and everybody's falling at the same spot. And you're just like, please, someone just get a couple moves higher. <laughs> Do you ever set a decoy hold? Is that a real thing? I hear people talking about, oh, that's a decoy hold. They want you to go there. It's actually a trick. Is that a real thing? I, I know folks that have done it. I've probably done it before. I generally try not to add extra stuff that I think will take away from the sequence. Generally, I want something to have a purpose if I put it on the climb. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you know when you've set something really good? Do you have any routes that you're really proud of? Or maybe conversely that you knew were bad when you put them up? It's always a hard thing because sometimes the thing that you put up that was your least favorite of the day is everybody's favorite climb. And something that you were really psyched on that you thought was amazing. Everybody just did a different sequence or certain parts were like too hard or just too challenging. So, you know, I think there are certain moments where like everything was really comfortable about that. Those are the times where I'm like, this climb is going to be popular because it's very approachable, nice to look at. Those are generally the climbs that I think will do well. And if I set like kind of a gimmicky move, those are the ones that can kind of be 50-50. This is either going to be super popular or five people will climb it and three of them are really going to like it. And two of them are going to be like, well, I'm never doing that again. Mm. <laughs> gimmicky like like a dyno or like a it could, like Yeah, a it could be thing. like one of those run across sorts of things or a bat hang start or something like that. Mm. Mm. I love those. <laughs> yeah, I think most people like those just because they're kind of fun. But imagine if you had one of those every time the gym was reset, I'd probably get a little tiring. You work for Central Rock Gym, which is a company with a lot of locations. And before you also worked for a gym with a number of locations too. And CRG is private and I'm not sure what the status of First Descent is or was, but do you feel like you get any pressure or imposition from higher ups in the gym to set in a particular way or to cater to a particular type of customer? That's a great question. I think it certainly could. Fortunately, I think there's a couple factors at play. The factor that I hope is the more accurate one is that my director of setting and our owners put me in this position because they trust my judgment and trust that I will create a good experience for our members. On top of that, I get reviews and feedback and stuff from the manager and our manager talks to my director of setting and our owners. And I think if things were maybe not going well, or they were getting a lot of feedback in a couple of different styles, I would probably have a discussion with them and they would recommend, Hey, like take it easy on those V1s. They're pretty stout. Or like we got a lot of feedback that there's too many World Cuppy jumps and triple paddles. Like maybe back off on that a little bit. Wow, who's given feedback? I don't think I have ever once given feedback on the setting at a gym. Hmm, Should really? I be giving feedback? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I can definitely identify setting styles between gyms and differences in how the climbs at each gym feel. 
Yeah, but I've never gone up to management and been like, there's too many comp style problems here. I'm going to need you to dial it back. You'd be surprised. I I recommend like, maybe not go straight in and be like, there's too much of this. (laughs) But maybe like, hey, it would be really cool if there was some more crimp trainers in the gym. And that's how route setters find out what their member base wants. Besides, you know, obviously route setters can talk to the members as well, but they can't talk to everybody. So I definitely recommend if you're a member at your gym, whether you're happy or you're unhappy, give positive feedback, things that you want to keep seeing that you like a lot of, or if you're unhappy, like say why and how you would like to see it change. Huh, I might do that. <laughs> what would you say, Cynthia, to your gym or for uh-huh. your setters? Well, so my gym has a couple different locations as well. And I'm just thinking about this one particular climb at one of the locations that's a bit farther away from me. So it's a special trip when we make it out there. But it was on the slab wall. It had a lot of very interesting feet and this like cool mantle. And I just loved everything about the climb. And I think in that moment, I was like, oh, I got to find out who set this or at least tell the front desk people that I really enjoyed that climb so that maybe they will do more of that. But then I forgot because I guess I'm not in the habit of giving feedback. Yeah, I mean, I I love to hear when folks were like, oh, wow, it was a great experience. I I like this climb and that climb, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And, you know, it makes me feel good. And then if there's a situation where they're like, oh, that wasn't such a good time. And maybe they can point out to the climbs at the very least which climbs they didn't like. Maybe they can't tell why they didn't like it, but I can at least go and look at that climb and try to dissect why they might have not enjoyed it. And like, Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe I'll go to it and be like, oh, yeah, that one was bad. (laughs) But then like, how do you account for the differences for how the setting at any particular gym, gym chain even, feels? I imagine, maybe this isn't the case, but I guess I, I just associate CRG with a certain style and it's different than what I associate with other gyms. And it sounds like you're saying you have a lot of autonomy to set your own style and uh, to maybe control and you can exert upward pressure to the corporate people or, you know, at least your director setting to dictate how the style expresses itself. But why then do gyms take different directions in setting? Are you asking why might a gym, I'm just going to use the New York gyms as an example, why might a gym take the vital route where it's a little bit more large features, a little bit more spread out versus yeah. like the GP, like pack spray wall, more classic climbing? Yeah, I guess I associate the vital style with this sort of more commercial or flashy, maybe user-friendly style of climbing. And I feel like it can't just be because the outsiders there like it. It's got to be because the gym decided it. Do you think that is the case? That's a good question. I, I know in my case, I'm generally setting what I'm happy setting. I think there are some outside factors. I recently upped the density of our gym because I realized we could just do it. The climbs that we had up didn't make it so it would be uncomfortable to kind of like move between the features. So I increased the density because my general idea was more climbs, more options for people to go to. And my idea was I was trying to mix a bit of vital and a bit of GP in what we were doing because I I do like both aspects. But I, I would have to assume that there's probably some general standards that those gyms are trying to implement mm. to their setters to like get a general vibe. Mm-hmm. When we were in Montreal, one of the 
things I noticed distinctly about the franchise of gyms that we visited up there was that they started all of their climbs relatively high on the wall. Mm. Like, I feel like that's got to be, it's just such a distinctive feature of those two gyms that we visited in Montreal. And I wish, I wish they had some sit starts. Yeah, I mean, if the gym that I'm thinking of, I, I think those are pretty conscious decisions. Yeah. Often sit starts aren't considered kind of user friendly, but obviously that doesn't need to necessarily be the case once you're in intermediate and more advanced climbs. But I, I do think there's probably a style choice that they went with. Sit starts are definitely not super popular right now either. Oh, right oh. now? What do you yeah, mean is, by right now? <laughs> is there like trendy climbing? <laughs> I, I mean, when's the last time you saw like a sit start on Instagram? Oh. Seeing someone like strain up on a sit start doesn't really make for good content, I, I I'd see. say. So I, I think that probably does have a little bit of play in it. It's actually something I actually took from you, Morgan, when we went to Ice Pond is I've been trying to implement harder climbs that finish a little bit lower, that traverse a little bit more, because I remember you were saying that you don't find that in gyms very much. I don't know how successful I've been with that, but it's something I've been kind of playing around with. So like I made this like, it's a classic, like it's a sit start and a bunch of like screw-ons oh on an arrest that's like just kind of heinous, but it's hard and it's got a lot of options. Oh my god, I need to go back to CRG! <laughs> oh my god, this is amazing! <laughs> okay, it's really delightful to hear you say that. Uh... <laughs> oh my gosh, I think she's crying. <laughs> it was a good piece of feedback that you gave to gyms in general where it's oftentimes hard climbs finish up high and they might start even a little bit high and generally they lean towards more powerful movement and i think it could be a really good trend to turn away from that or maybe not turn away from it but how do we cater to more people on these like hard climbs that not not necessarily are just purely style but like finish at different places wow wow ryan i might have to go back to crg just for this reactivate my membership well, Left Cove, it's a green eight. Oh my God, oh, okay. Wow. Well, Left Cove, isn't that the bane of your existence, it Morgan? Is. It truly is. But it's it's not in the, the steep part. It's on where it changes from the slab. It's that slight yeah. overhang, then it becomes slab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically foothold screwed onto that arete. Damn. Wow. Well, that sounds, sounds really fun. Sounds juicy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be back in New York soon, so I can't wait to check it out. Oh, oh my God, yes. Mm -hmm. session on it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Is there anything that you think, any changes to the setting scene or maybe to the climbing industry in general that you'd like to see? Or that you've observed? I think I'd love to see clearer pathways for route setters, kind of like what we were talking about earlier. There's not good ways to go from no experience to some experience to route setter. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably one of the, the biggest things that could benefit from. I think there's a lot of room for more types of route setters, tall setters, short setters, male setters, female setters, all different types only are, are good for the climbing scene. More variety in setters is always better just because e even if you're a tall setter and you set well for smaller folks, it still just isn't quite the same because you don't know how they feel. So having someone that has a kind of a clearer connection is, is always better. Things are definitely getting better as route setting as a profession. There are more legitimate jobs out there. People can support themselves as a route setter these days. Not everyone can make a great living as a route setter, but it is getting better. I mean, before, I, when I first started route setting in college, I didn't even realize people did it as a career. 
And when I started setting in Chicago, it was still not super common. And it, it's starting to become a little bit more common now, I think. Yeah. Playing on that, what do you want for your future career? Where do you see yourself taking this job in the next five years? And do you see yourself in this job in the next five years? Or do you want to graduate to managing a gym or something? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm definitely gonna be route setting in five years. I can pretty much guarantee that barring anything super drastic happening to me, like physically, I don't know that I'll ever want to be a manager. I'm something in the route setting industry that I'm nervous about is longevity in it. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, five years, I think we're good. 10 years, I think we're still good. 15, (laughs) probably good. 20, 30, something, 30 plus. Can I route set into my late 50s? I don't know. There are folks that have done it, but it's not a great sample size. So for me, some of my big goals are, I'm hoping that I have more opportunity for growth in CRG. I hope to set for some bigger level events. I just got my, or kind of still pending, if I got my level three with USAC climbing and hoping to keep progressing along that. I'd really like to set for a youth national. And then after that, an open national or a, a national cup series in terms of my competition setting side. So those, those are the mid-range goals right now. Best of luck for you on those shorter-term goals. It sounds like it'd be really exciting. Absolutely. Playing off what you said earlier, I really don't know many older setters. I mean, I do know older setters who have done other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're no longer actively setting. But setters, yeah. I don't yeah, really know what they do. I know some folks, they get in the setting game, they do it for a while. Then they like move into like volume making or hold making or take on a more administrative role. There are definitely some rare cases like there's Jackie Yadoff, who's a French yeah, I was setter. Just who's say. Like, I think he's in his 60s and he's still setting World Cups. So he's the unicorn. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of him too. Yeah. But often there are folks that go the directors of route setting roles or take on less setting shifts and go coaching. It's definitely a little bit more rare. Honestly, I don't know many people in like their late 40s or 50s off the top of my head. But yeah, it's it's definitely something to be aware of if you're a route setter. Do you feel like as you get more experience in climbing and all, you want to spend some time away from the gym? Ever like I feel like setting is such an intense physical activity that it would necessarily limit the energy you have for other pursuits. It's definitely one of the hardest things is if you have personal climbing goals, they can be really challenged to balance while being a route setter just because of how taxing the job can be. So imagine if you're setting three, four days a week and how do you fit proper training sessions in there? and stay healthy. It's, it's pretty challenging. So one of the other biggest things that I've learned as I've grown as a climber and route setter is how to have efficient training sessions that aren't just chilling at the gym and climbing for two, three hours and then burning myself out with a bunch of push-ups and pull-ups and more being with a very purposeful approach. And I've had to like start doing things like go to see a PT and more self-care for sure. Yeah, man, we hear you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any um, climbing goals? Kind of want to see what your climbing head is at right now. Yeah, totally. I've been trying to go a little bit more away from number goals, but I still have a little bit of them. I actually just checked a box on one of them this past weekend. So I sent my first 10 outside, which was really exciting. Which one? I did Pipe Dream at Farley. Wow. Congratulations. Amazing. So strong. (laughs) 
Thank you. I, I was very excited. It was it was a really great day out. But yeah, one of one of the things that I've been trying to go after is not be so focused on something like that, but setting myself up for success. So one of my big goals was 50 days climbing outside, which I think also came from you two. I think you two were, I don't know if you had goals or if it was just saying how many days outside that you spent climbing, but I kind of took that and made it a goal of mine. Aww. We're inspirations, Morgan. <laughs> yeah, oh I always God. knew we would be. <laughs> <laughs> Much influence. <laughs> we are the future of climbing. <laughs> I had no idea this much influence on you, Ryan. It's no, it's so humbling. <laughs> humbling, man. I got a big head over here. <laughs> what else can I so say? Cynthia's like, you? oh man, I'm gonna like knock some people off my climb. I'm gonna go like teach people the ways of being a climber. I'm just crushing it. <laughs> yeah, living up to all my dreams here. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to share? And do you want to tell our listenership where they can find you online and give you views and whatnot? <laughs> sure. I guess to start, I'm Ryan underscore Smith, but it's spelled R-I-A-N underscore S-M-Y-T-H. It's not how I actually spell my name, but there are way too many Ryan Smiths that have the correct spelling out there. Um, the edgier spelling. <laughs> it's very edgy. I think the last thing to say is like route setters can look scary because they're watching you climb, but most of the time they're just trying to learn. So don't be afraid to go say hi and talk to them because the other thing is they're usually kind of awkward and maybe don't know how to do it themselves. <laughs> is that a prerequisite for being a route setter? Uh, it seems to be a, a similar <laughs> attribute among a lot of us, but no, not, not everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, this has been course. a really, uh, yeah, a really educational conversation. I think I learned a lot about oh, I'm glad. route setting, and I'm gonna give more feedback. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I definitely think about what you're saying and think how it will be received because route setters can also be sensitive. <laughs> but I know generally most setters take their feedback pretty seriously, and if it's well worded and it's truly constructive criticism or feedback, that means it's something that they can actually learn from. Yeah, it seems like you and you have this opinion of other route setters too, that y you take your growth and progression in your career very seriously. It seems like you're really wanting to do the best that you possibly can. Yeah, I mean, I, I do truly think most people do this job because they're really psyched on route setting and climbing and the climbing community. And the better that they become as route setters, the better job that they can foster that community. So generally, that leads to wanting to get better and keep learning. Yeah. And I hope they pay you very generously because you are the indoor climbing experience. I always find it really odd how poorly paid you guys are <laughs> compared to how important <laughs> the work you do is. Yeah, it's a challenge, but it's something that I've looked at more. And it, it's, I'm always curious of how much route setting does have an impact compared to convenience and some of those other aspects. Cause ah. there are a lot of times where maybe that one gym is way better setting, but this gym's kind of closer and it's a little easier to get to. And it's curious of that balance. And obviously this isn't me trying to say that route setters shouldn't get paid more because it is a really tough job. But I see what um, you're saying though. It is kind of an interesting thing to try to balance. Oh, like how important is the route setting? Because if people aren't willing to go an extra 20 minutes for your route setting, is it that much better? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really. I good would. Point. It's certainly interesting to think about in a couple of the different scenes in some of the larger cities where there's a higher density of gyms and people do seem to kind of nestle in, which makes sense. Like, why would you go 45 minutes if you can go 10? The route setting would have to be pretty bad for you to probably not go to that gym. But it's definitely a question that I've played with and I've been curious of like, how good would one's route setting have to be mm-hmm. to pull everyone to it? You know, this is a really interesting question, Ryan, because I recently started a new job and it's in Midtown. So it is on 56th Street and I'm a member of GP. So Mm -hmm. I am now considering, should I continue going down to Brooklyn to climb after working in Midtown for a day? And I'm going to try to do it, but I don't actually know if it's going to succeed for the long run. And I'm considering going back to CRG because of the proximity. Yeah, for whatever reason, it is how, how much does it become the convenience or is it the route setting or is it the community? Like, It is interesting to think about those questions because it's like back to that thing, how good would one's route setting be to pull people away from the convenience? Right, right. I mean, I actually think that the route setting is pushing me towards the, the more inconvenient option. And maybe I feel like I'm in a bit of a unique situation because I I agree with you that I think convenience would probably outweigh other factors for 90% of people. Mm -hmm. But I really have grown to appreciate the setting at GP and we'll see how long I can maintain the commute. Totally. Well, it sounds like CRG is also starting to set a little more towards <laughs> your preferred kind of climbing, Morgan. <laughs> hard and low to the ground. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll check out that eight for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, thank you again, Ryan, for, for coming on the show and sharing your perspective. I have a, a newfound respect. I mean, I, I guess I've always respected bad setters, but now I have a newfound respect for you and, and your kind. <laughs> you people. Yeah, you people. <laughs> yeah, thanks again for having me. It was fun. And if any of our listeners have any questions for Ryan or about route sitting in general, feel free to leave us a, a cue on Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Or, or send us a DM or an email or whatever. Yeah, and join us next time on Crack Confessions. <laughs> that was maybe the worst that it's ever Perfect. Been. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs>